0: Hello and welcome to the Wisdom T20 World Cup Daily Podcast. I'm Yazrana and to talk through Australia's win over Ireland and figuring out what that means for England is the managing editor of Wisden.com, Ben Gardner and ESPN Cricket Info's Matt Roller. Um, ben, before we started recording, we were talking about how you're probably one of just a handful of cricket journalists, maybe the only one to watch every single ball of Ireland's campaign so far, including all the cricket in round one. Um, the final margin of victory... Initially, it looked like it wouldn't have done justice to the jeopardy that was probably felt 60% through that Ireland innings. And even though in the end it wasn't massive, uh, Australia were 92 for three after 13 overs, only going at sevens. 150 didn't look off the cards.
1: Uh, yeah, it was a funny sort of game because, um, as you say, like it's quite a convincing margin of victory. It looked like it was going to be even more convincing at one point. And yeah, Ireland will sort of be kicking themselves that they let it get away from them, I think. Um, I think Finch played... I, don't, I wouldn't at all say that this is Aaron Finch being back. I don't think he still looked especially like he was timing it sweetly like he sort of can. It was sort of a very canny, not from a very experienced player who knew there would be guys he could target. And after that, well, yeah, after that Thursday I think the next three went for like 53 runs or something. And that kind of decided the game, as did the opening burst, and obviously Stark can do that to anyone, swinging the new ball, attacking the stumps like that, but to give two wickets to Glenn Maxwell in that fashion, that will really, really hurt them, and then and then even after that, you had Lock and Tucker play absolutely brilliantly, and going to the last three overs, they needed, what, 44, and you think then if like if he manages to farm the strike well, and actually, it's, it almost felt like Arn didn't realise quite how close they were at that point, like it was almost a bit like they were going through the motions, they were single the singles, they just took it, when actually... If you're Tucker and you're basically seeing like a football, you're blasting everyone to like everywhere. If you face the strike, you'll back yourself to hit, you know, a couple of sixes in in every five balls and then maybe get a single. And actually, you'll be getting pretty close with that. Um, so, yeah, a, a, an odd game that looks like a thrashing and that I guess people won't be talking about too much come the end of the tournament. But that was interesting in its own way, I suppose.
0: Mm. Um, Matt one of the players who really stood out for Ireland was, was Josh Little who's having some tournament he's going at just over sevens across the competition he's taking good new ball wickets how, how good is he is he someone you'd expect to get an IPL deal in the new year?
2: That's a that's a really interesting question. I suppose it's difficult to evaluate um, outside of competitions like this, because a lot of the time, Ireland um, don't play as much international cricket as they would like to. Obviously, they did have a decent fixture list, um, the home summer just gone, but I don't think they play an awful lot um, in, in the 2023 summer as it stands. There's a couple of qualifying tournaments to play. Um, and it can be quite difficult to judge people when they're sort of, you know, I suppose the standout bowler in an attack, but you wonder whether that, you know, that effect has some kind of impact on, on how teams approach them and they sort of try and play out one guy. But I think through this World Cup, he's been really, really impressive. I mean, he, he consistently bowls at decent pace without being expressed, but I think has this, um, he's got quite a sort of whippy wrist action, which I think enables him to get find some C movement when it's on offer and also find some extra bounce, which has been really effective um during this competition um I think he's got a rare skill in being able to bowl in all three phases of the game I think we've we've seen him um be pretty destructive with the new ball in this tournament but he's he's previously d- done well at the death and uh, and obviously uh, Andy Balburnie sort of been bringing him back through the middle overs today that felt like quite a big wicket when he got Maxwell out um and I think the 11th over was when he bowled his third which was relatively early um and yeah he's, he's he's already had a little bit of a taste I guess of franchise cricket around the world um I suppose the key thing for that generation of Irish players is the fact they no longer have access to county cricket unless they're overseas players which has been a real um big shift since they got test status and that, that was a direct result of it um so yeah it means it's it's, it's really important for them to try and get the, that exposure overseas and the development opportunities around the world so I think by playing in Stuff like the T10 Lanka Premier League, you know, it might not get a huge amount of attention back in Ireland or even, you know, outside of the country. It's happening in a lot of the time, but um, I, I, that seems to have really helped him. And IPL, you know, it's it, probably a bit of a stretch, but he was there as an at bowler last year with Chennai. There's every chance he'll do something similar this year if Ireland's schedule allows. I would think, and yeah, who knows when? When you've started to get your name out there and. Um, you start to meet a few people around the franchise circuit, analysts and GMs and bowling coaches and all that sort of thing. There's a lot of uh, overlap and crossover, so who knows? Maybe he could, uh, maybe he'll impress the right person at the right time and get a deal.
1: And you'd think he'd start to be sort of like a, a shoe in for that that next rung, I guess. I like could be. I'd be very surprised if a BBL team doesn't snap him up, considering he will you know good availability. That um, he's 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 young and he's sort of willing to learn and that sort of thing, uh, and possibly a. a it may be a lower price point as well because as you say he comes with those extra like he'll have that extra motivation to go to those sorts of tournaments because he's not doing much else he won't be losing out on stuff Um and because he is so eager to improve and impress I guess
0: mm. separate this is for a separate podcast but Josh Little playing for Ireland is one of those player team combinations that just makes me want T20 cricket to have four bowlers allowed to bowl five overs rather than five bowlers allowed to bowl four anyway um Ben, Ireland, as well as Australia Accelerated, Ireland really lost their way with the ball towards the end of the innings. Mark Adair, in particular, got some tap. His third over was an 11-ball over, and he really struggled with the shorter boundary, in particular, not really sure where to bowl. Bowling too wide to kind of counteract it, but couldn't really pull it off.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and and that's the thing. It's just such an odd odd card to look at because it was kind of that that third bowler, which was a weird sort of combination of uh, of Fianhand, uh Gareth Delaney and Mark Adair. Well I guess I guess that's what a, that fourth and fifth bowler that kind of cost them because the rest were just doing so good. But yeah, Adair is a funny one because we've we've obviously seen him bowl really well. There's no question that he's a bad bowler. It was just a, a, a bad night at a bad time for Ireland, I think. Um and I don't think Ireland really had a choice because they left out the uh the spinner in favour of Fionn Hand who bowled obviously that brilliant ball to Stokes and was good in that game against England. But then George Docker bowled really well. So you're wondering then if they actually would have quite liked Simi Singh to be in that eleven. But then Gareth Alaney wasn't you know he what he wasn't cheap. He was going just under tens and he's also not going to be a, a death bowler. And that was the that was the really tough thing that Adair had to then come back on and bowl that that 20th over having already had a you know there's there's no recovering at that point. There's nothing you can do to really massage your figures when you've already gone and been so expensive. Um so yeah, that that, that was what caused them. But I don't. I almost. I can see why Ireland went with the team they did, uh, and I can see why they went with the choices of when to bowl bowlers they did as well. I think that it was kind of just, just just that little bit of of, of lacking in depth, lacking that kind of all round option that meant that that they basically came up short. I think.
0: Mm. Uh, Matt Ben's already mentioned him, but Aaron Finch scored sixty three or forty four. He was the player of the match. Um, this is. In, in in some ways been the World Cup of awkward selection debates with Temba Bavuma, Safra's captain out of Nick Aaron Finch out of Nick and Ben Stokes England superstar not, England not really sure what to do with him um, are you convinced he's in any sort of form despite this not 63 or 44 has come at a decent rate but he was the chief beneficiary of Adair's erratic third over
2: um not hugely no but i don't necessarily think that means that um it, that there's going to be a difficult decision for australia to make i think um it sounds like he's he, you know he clearly was off the field for a bit of the run chase and it sounds from what he said in the presentation like there's uh he's still relatively hopeful that he'll be available to play afghanistan but um i, I think that they'll will probably have a bit more information on that in the next couple of days i think if he's available he'll play just because i think it's the sort of um, it's a bit of a nuclear option at this stage after a win and after a 50 to to be talking about dropping someone. I, I'm not at all convinced he's in much form and I wouldn't be at all surprised if he if he retires from international cricket after this tournament. Um, that said, I think his T20i numbers, despite the fact he's looked pretty ungainly for a lot of the last year, his T20i numbers are nowhere near as bad as his ODI numbers were, where he really did sort of seem to fall off. I think in T20is he's, um, he's sort of scrapped hard and had to work pretty hard for his runs and there's not been a lot of sort of you know you think of what aaron finch used to be like probably five years ago at his best and um he was a seriously fun player to watch it's not been particularly enjoyable to watch him bat a lot of the time but um when he sort of grinds through and um you know does does make ball was paid to an extent in uh that over against the bear I, I think it's relatively hard to argue um against him being in the side for for the time being and given everything that's gone on and given where australia are in the tournament um yeah, I think Australia sort of, they still don't look like everything's right and they still don't look like they're clicking. But um, this was, a, I suppose, an important uh, win and important for them to get a decent total on the board as much as anything, just to give themselves a bit of confidence heading into um, what looks like it'll be a, a crunch game against Afghanistan later in the week.
1: Hmm. And the, the, the captaincy thing is, is very complicated as well. I mean, obviously, he's a very good, very experienced captain. I think you saw when he was off the field, that Australia base just had no idea who was leading it. They were sort of like, whenever there was a chance for a review, the cameras would just sort of like scan around anyone who was having any sort of conversation like, is this the guy that's going to signal it? We're not really sure. Uh, it looks like that from, from the, the rumblings and the press up that they're quite keen to go back to, to David Warner at some point, find a way around that lifetime leadership ban, uh, which you wouldn't think would be possible, but I'm sure they'll, they'll find a loophole. Uh, but, I think they probably want the space to make that decision, that transition, so that it can be sort of like stage managed and and done with an element of grace rather than sort of making quite a a cutthroat thing in the middle of a tournament. So so say Finch were to pull up with a a hamstring injury and not be able to play a part, I don't really know what they would do, Cam wise I think that they probably wouldn't rush through the Warner thing. Then you've got possibly Smith who could come back in, or you've got Cummins who's in the team, but is perhaps the most in danger of dropping out, so it's a tricky one.
2: I think it will be Wade if, if um, Finch isn't available against Afghanistan. I think he's been the sort of nominated vice captain, not officially, Um in this tournament but i think over the past couple of years he's he's captain a couple of times in in bangladesh and west indies when um finch has been unavailable so my instinct is it would be him but um again you know he's probably someone who realistically might well be playing in his last world tournament so long term it's um it, it's still a big question that australia will have to answer but i suppose world cups are very much about the short term and uh yeah they'll be hoping to just um hopefully not have too many difficult questions over the next three games and um, three big wins should should be enough for them to to win the trophy again so we're yeah. heading towards the pointy yeah, end pretty quickly
0: mm. uh, While we're on the Australian we've got to mention that piece of fielding by Barry McCarthy on the boundary jumping behind the rope and flicking the ball back into play while it was off the ground even by modern standards that was ridiculous uh, and you guys have kind of mentioned it already but Australia really on it with the ball there were some loose shots from Ireland Shaw Harry Tector's limp pull the square leg off Glenn Maxwell comes to mind um, but Ben, Mitch Stark looked, looked really good getting the swing, bowling fast. I think at one point his average speed popped up on the TV was, was over 90 miles per hour. Um, when Matt was last on, we kind of talked about the England guys who, who are big names but don't actually play that much T20 cricket. So you're not quite sure where they're at. And, and Stark's in a similar boat. He's not played IPL cricket for years and doesn't really play that much T20 cricket around the world other than for Australia, really.
1: Yeah, and, and they've obviously demoted him away from the new ball, which would have been unthinkable not very long ago, you know, that this is, um, and it's kind of still unthinkable now, that's what you think is, is Stark is synonymous with swinging that white ball, Miles uh, bowling... He still kind of
0: did that today,
1: though. No, 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 today he did, yeah. Yeah, but I, I almost think that um, this was uh, almost like a break from what his recent form has been like. There were some stats about how he swung it more today than he has done in recent times, and it did like this could have been Stark back to his best in that first over and that shows why, you know, it's. I think I'm surprised still that they're not giving the new ball. I think it's worth that risk uh, because it can win you a game as it basically did today and it kind of showed that it can win you a game because Stark was not great from then on basically. I think his next three overs went for 4-3. and Tucker just got a hold of him was basically doing what he wanted by the end was scooping in one ball was then lofting in the next. He was, Tucker was absolutely amazing and we should obviously, yeah, make sure that's stressed but Stark, when that ball wasn't swinging, it was, uh, uh, he didn't really have the answers, I guess. So, yeah, it's it's still hard to work out, even with how good that over was, because of what happened afterwards. But then, given how good that over was, you wondered, do you just give him the new ball? Because Cummins isn't really swinging it either. I know he, um, uh, what, uh, it was Hayes with the got unlucky, wasn't it, with the ball that clipped the top of off stump and uh, the bail stayed on and uh, Australia won not to review it. Um, but yeah, you kind of, I, I almost think that Cummins. Versus Hazelwood is like, you've got the two sort of contrasting things, obviously left and right hand. You've got the one who's going to just hit the seam, top of off, be really hard to hit. And you've got the other guy, like, if the pressure's built and it's swinging, then he might strike. Whereas I kind of think that's the balance. But then it wasn't a great day overall for Stark despite the two wickets. So it's a weird one to work out where he is, I guess.
0: Mm. Uh, Matt, is, is and Tucker England's player of the tournament so far? <laughs>
2: He's definitely done them a, a serious solid in terms of uh, helping helping to dent Australia's net run rate. I, I'll be honest, I don't think it would have been too much of an issue for England even if Ireland had been bowled out really cheaply. I think if they win both games, especially because of the fact they play last, I think that, that you know there's a chance they would have gone into the Sri Lanka game uh in the event that they beat in new zealand having a particular equation so say they had to knock them off in say 18 overs or win by 10 or 15 runs but i don't think it would have been too big a swing um but he has effectively i think meant, um and i'm sure ben will correct me if i'm wrong but unless australia sort of hammer afghanistan by a huge margin that two wins should probably now be enough for england to get through um and yeah, I think he, you know, he played played brilliantly, didn't he? I think, especially when you consider how far he's come in the last year, having been running the drinks for Ireland at last year's World Cup and left out in favour of Neil Rock, who was a real rookie at the, at the time. I think he was 21 and was keeping Wicket in the last tournament to have sort of, um, I don't know, he's almost, it feels like he's almost stumbled into a role at number three, a little bit like um, Mitch Marsh did for Australia last year, where he, he sort of, um, he'd been floating around the middle order. Um not really having any kind of settled role and then uh, I think against South Africa this summer he got a sort of um, was when he first got a chance there and they kept him at number three for the rest of uh, their T20 international summer after that and uh, yeah he's, re- he's really thrived there and as I, I suppose the most impressive thing as far as I was concerned was the fact that he kept going really hard in the power play despite the fact that you know it was absolute carnage at the other end because Um, it would have been very, very easy for him to sit in, go absolutely nowhere and get a fairly pointless 40 or 40. But as it stands, you know, there was a... It was a very, very brief moment, but there was a... um just a flicker of a second where you thought, hang on, Ireland might actually still be in this after 17 overs, which wouldn't have been possible if he'd just knocked it about and um, sort of tried to tried to save face or just get a score for himself. So, yeah, I thought it was a, a really impressive innings. And, uh, yeah, it bodes well for Ireland again, that he's someone, uh, part of that that next generation of players um, who haven't had access to county cricket for their development, but has um, sort of managed to do well um, just playing through the Irish system. And I suppose he's, he's the sort of guy along with, um, you know, looking through Tector and Little and Adair and Delaney and people like that who are going to have to um, be the spine of the team for for the next sort of five, ten years going forward. And I think he's, yeah, um, put down a bit of a marker with that innings today.
0: Ben, as we've established, you've watched a lot of Ireland and he's had a great tournament, not just runs here today, but runs against West Indies and in England as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ireland have had a, they've had a, obviously a great tournament overall uh, and lots of positive signs, especially after a summer where they kind of kept getting close uh, to, you know, pulling off landmark victories of Got, I think that what, was a defeat by four runs against India in a really high scoring game a couple of times of heartbreak against New Zealand. They had a 3-2 series win against Afghanistan, which was something sh- to shout about. Uh, but they would have still sort of maybe questioned themselves over whether that next level sort of not just the odd upset, but competing actually consistently, whether they could do that. And there's been that consistency in this tournament, I think, you know, um apart from in that in that in that first game, they've kind of they've properly competed all the way through. Um and uh yeah, some some real bright signs going forward. Um and, and then having said all that, you know, they need a couple more results to go their way to be guaranteed a place at the next World Cup. Um the twenty mm. eighth world cup I mean. Mm.
0: Um very quickly, England-New Zealand tomorrow is an absolutely massive game. If England don't win that, they're in serious trouble. Matt, very quickly before you leave us, um, what what your predictions for that
2: game? Well, firstly, I I hope England get on the field and get to play a full T uh, twenty match rather than it being affected by rain. The forecast looks not great in Brisbane, but slightly better than when I checked yesterday. Um, so fingers crossed they they managed to get out there. I think um, I I think England are probably slight favourites as far as I see it, despite for that game, despite the fact that they've uh, not really clicked at this World Cup, and New Zealand clearly have. I think. Um, in isolation, I think England are a stronger team than New Zealand. Um, that said, uh, you know, I don't think it's more than a sort of 55-45 uh, type of a game. I think it, it should be a really tight one. I think it might well be won and lost in the two power plays. England obviously bowled really poorly in their last one. And uh, New Zealand have had two very contrasting ones with the bats so far. Um, you know, Finn Allen racing out of the blocks against Australia. And then they, they were pretty terrible uh, against the new ball. Uh, when they played Sri Lanka. So um, I think that'll be the the crucial bit of the game as England bowling to, to New Zealand in the first six overs, whether they can um, restrict Allen to a low score and uh, make some real indents into what is a relatively shallow batting lineup. Um But I think it'll be a really, really good game. Having, uh, I think their last encounter was the, the one at the uh, T20 World Cup last year, the semi-final in Abu Dhabi, which was a real sort of slow-burning classic. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed we get a, another good one at, at the Gabba.
1: Am I right in thinking the forecast is for rain early and then for it to clear up? So Afghanistan could, while well, be looking at a third consecutive washout, brutal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think yeah, just just on my predictions of that game. I think so much, Matt. You're right. I think so much will rest on uh, like Chris Wokes and and Ben Stokes bowling to Finn Allen in the power play. That could be absolute carnage if Allen gets that right. But equally, uh, England get a couple of early wickets in the power play. They'll be well on top. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Cheers, matches. Ben, will be back tomorrow for our full weekly show after that England muscle game against New England.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.